What's going on? Welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek on this Wednesday. I'm Daniel Salerson. Pelicans are coming off a massive win over the Cleveland Cavaliers last night inside the Smoothie King Center. 108 to 104, down 23 in the first half. Come all the way back and get the win. It ties the second long, long, or largest comeback win in franchise history. To talk about it, we have Jim Eikenoffer of Pelicans.com and Will Guillory of The Athletic. It's hashtag always heave versus hashtag no heave for me and Will Guillory. Will, I appreciate the time. How are you, my friend? Oh, it's always great to be with you guys. And, and listen, after the Devontae Graham shot, I've agreed to silence my talk of no heaving until 2022. So I got about, what, maybe two more days. And then I'm <laughs> right back at your top, Jim. Don't worry. <laughs> I, thought maybe that be <laughs> I thought that was going to be a New Year's, New Year's resolution, maybe, to you know to maybe jump on the always heave side, Will. Is this not going to be the case? No, nah, man, I got a few other ones lined up. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm always about my percentages. So, you know, Jim, Jim was right one time, you know, a, a broken clock's to right twice a day. So I'll give him one. I'll admit I, I was all wrong on that one. But we'll see what happens by the end of the season. All right. You know, I noticed that there was no response when I invited you. I extended you a formal invitation to to team always even. There was never, it was complete silence on your end. So, but, but yeah. I will give you credit. It's very gracious of you to, uh, to, to say what you just said, and we can enjoy this at least for the next two or three days. Yeah. I think that one got lost in the mail. I didn't, I didn't see that <laughs> invitation. I'll see maybe, maybe it'll be coming in one of these next few days. I'm going to have to send an angry message to Twitter because somehow their mail carriers let me down on that one. So. Oh, my goodness. Well, the good thing is this is recorded, so I can always have this conversation put in the archives so that we can bring this up um, and, and show that Will was part of Always He for just a couple of days here as we ring in. Just a few. Just a few. Just a few. Just a few. Um, wow, what a win last night uh, for the Pelicans. Look, the way the Cavs started off shooting, 9 of 11 from 3 between Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio, I believe it was 29 to 10 at one point. I looked at John the Shazer, who I was calling game, and I was like, this is not going to go well. You had no Brandon Ingram. You had no Josh Hart. You were already without Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I feel like Jonas was starting to kind of get back into, you know, his game shape after missing the last two games with non-COVID illness. But, Will, how about that second half for New Orleans? When you rank these wins, I know it's tough to rank the wins because there's been some really good ones. This has to be either at the top or close to it just for – the circumstances and how they were able to come back against a really good Cavalier squad. Yeah, I wrote this last night. I think it was just only two weeks before the aforementioned 61-footer from Devontae Grandma. And I, I, it's hard to not feel like this was the, the most improbable and, and thrilling win of the season for this team. Just, just like you mentioned, all of the circumstances that went into them falling behind early and then fighting their way back. I mean, with this lineup at the end of the game, guys who have never played together before, you got Jared Harper getting minutes on the second unit, the guy who just got here a couple days ago. I think, uh, again, it just speaks to what Willie Green has been able to build here in New Orleans, you know, halfway through his first season last year. I keep referencing this team to last year because it just feels like it's so different when you compare, you know, last year they had so much talent and you had Zion doing all of this historic stuff, Brandon Ingram putting up big numbers. You had Eric Bledsoe with his history, Stephen Adams, and it just felt like it just never quite clicked 
with that group. They were never quite on the same page. And with this team, it's not quite as much talent. They don't put up the big numbers like that team did last year, but they just fight together. They play together and, and they want to win and they do whatever it takes. And I think a lot of it just traces back to Willie Green and just the mentality he's brought every day since he's arrived here in New Orleans. And you saw it last night because they were obviously – the less talented team, but they found a way to win with just their grit and their hunger. And it just speaks so much, so much to what they've been able to do this year, despite, you know, all the madness going on behind the scenes. What about you, Jim? Yeah, I feel like will at the very end there, you just kind of referenced what I was going to say in that it's kind of becoming almost a theme of the season. The fact that they have been able to overcome a lot of difficulties and a lot of adversity, um, Last night was kind of a microcosm of that. The fact that they started the season one in 12 and they were three and 16. They're now 10 and six since they were three and 16. So, I mean, you have a complete flip of the results that have, have happened. So um, I think, you know, earlier in the season, you look around the league and you see other teams that have injuries just like the Pelicans and they're still able to get wins kind of, I mean, Memphis is probably one of the best examples of that where it seems like no matter who is in the lineup and who isn't, they're still able to play well and string together wins. And I think you kind of look around and say, you know, is that going to happen here? Are they going to be able to do that? And over the last few weeks, I mean, it's definitely been the case. I'm just really impressed by the way that they were able to come back, obviously last night, but also just having lineups that are thrown together, having players that just met each other in the last few days um, that are able to come through the way that they did. So um, the coaches and Willie Green, I think, are doing a great job of getting the guys to believe. And I don't want to be too sappy, but I felt like last night the crowd kind of started to really believe that they could do they could get this done. Um, I, I think maybe end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, it was it seemed like the Cavs kept pushing the lead back up to 12, 14 points and the Pelicans would make a run. But every time the Cavs would answer. So finally, uh, the Pelicans broke through and got it down to maybe five. And I think at that point when Garrett Temple started making threes, everybody was looking around like, man, they actually have a chance to do this after being down by 23. So it was an impressive win and just part of a longer stretch where they've been able to maybe not pull off something as improbable as that, but they've been just so much better at, at responding to, to negative situations and circumstances. I feel like we got to start talking about, we have been talking about them, but, let's continue to talk about Herb Jones because it just seems like every game there's something else that we have to talk about with him. And look, I, I thought potentially he was facing off against the front runner for a rookie of the year and Evan Mobley um, who came back last night from health and safety protocols. I'm not already putting Herb in the conversation as far as the front runner right now, but he has to be climbing up that rookie ladder as far as someone that should be considered for first team all rookie, even though there is a pretty talented rookie class this season. You can go through five, six, seven guys. I think they can easily be up there. But, Will, I know you've written a lot about Herb Jones recently, um, but the fact that he is so impactful for this lineup and Willie Green relies on him so much for a guy that is the 35th overall pick, it, it I feel like I can't get – I mean, the, how impressed I am, it seems like that keeps going up for me because every time we see him play another game, there's something else I'm like, holy cow, Herb Jones did that, and he did it last night with a season-high, career-high 26 points. 
Yeah, man. Herb told the Cavs once again last night, not on Herb. You, you're not about yeah. to get this one tonight. And I mean, you said it. Every time you think this guy does something to imp- impress you, he just raises his game to another level. And all year we've talked about uh, with him the intangibles, the defense, what he's been able to do with his versatility. But last night, 26 points, more than he scored as a pro more than he scored in four years at Alabama. I mean, how wild is that the guy didn't score? He only scored 20 points three times his entire collegiate career. And to come out and have 26 in a game where you absolutely needed it, it just kind of speaks to, you know, not only just the, the amount of skill this guy has that he's kind of keeps tucked away because he's so worried about doing the, the team things and he's so worried about just being a good teammate and not getting his own shots. And you see, once he plays with that type of aggression, what type of skill he has. But also, I think it was kind of a moment last year, uh, last night for Herb Jones, because I think he's starting to really accept his role as a real cornerstone for this franchise. And I think that's weird to say for a guy that's a second round pick, but I do think you really see him stepping into that role as like, hey, I'm one of the most important guys with this team. And it's not just Zion, it's not just Brandon Ingram. I think Herb Jones has to be in that conversation on one of the most important building blocks for this team moving forward. And to see him kind of accept that role last night with so many big guys out, uh, it says so much about this young kid. I mean, this is, this is a guy who went number 35 in the draft. You know, guys in the second round are usually scrapping their way through G League games, and, and he's all of a sudden becoming one of the biggest players with this franchise. And it speaks to, so much to his maturity as a young guy. Obviously, you know, four years in college to do that. Devontae Graham always makes sure he shouts out the four-year guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think also just about his mentality, how unique it is that he can step in and play such a big role for this team. And it's just a home run pick for uh, for that Pelicans front office. You know, they had some struggles with the draft, but I think that Herb Jones pick kind of wipes it all away because he's been such an important piece for this team. And he just keeps continue. He just continues to grow. And who knows what he'll be down the line if he just keeps uh, applying himself the way he has. You know, I'm not sure whether he's going to be in the final running for rookie of the year. Um, Unfortunately, I think the way a lot of times the way the rookie of the year vote goes, it's the guys that have the bigger stats. And when I say stats, I probably should specifically say scoring numbers. Um, Obviously Herb is going to have some good numbers in other categories, but he continues to make strides offensively, but he's probably not going to average 15, 18 points a game by season's end. But I do think that he's becoming kind of the most appreciated rookie of the year. If that was a category that people around the league are really starting to open their eyes to seeing some of the contributions that he makes. And for people who are really into basketball, um, you can see all the different stuff that he does, the defense, the intangibles. He had a play last night where he basically completely uh, stymied Ricky Rubio for 10, 12 seconds. And the Cavs had a shot clock violation because Rubio had nowhere to go. He tried to dish it off to the wing. And uh, I think it was Dean Wade couldn't get a shot off for Cleveland. There's no staff for that. There's no, you don't get a block or a a steal or anything, but he makes plays like that all of the time. So, I mean, it was just so impressive what he did last night in that game among many that he's had this year. Um, Will talked about the four-year player thing. I think it's interesting that over time, as the years have gone by, people have actually gotten to the point where they, they downgrade the guys that are four-year players or guys that played multiple years in college, because in Herb's case, he's 23. And a lot of people say, okay, well, I'd rather have a 19 year old because they have more upside and they have more room to grow and develop than a 23 year old does. But I mean, look at what he's already done in the first part of the season, in the first 
few months of, of his rookie year of how much he's improved. So I don't buy the, that argument at all as far as, I mean, we're, we're it, it, back in the 80s and the 90s, if you were 22 or 23, you were average rookie age. And nobody back then said like, oh, well, he's a rookie or he's already 22, 23. He can't possibly get better. So I'm not really sure why it's changed so much in that area, you know, recently. Obviously, the one and dones are, are a big part of that. But I mean, I think Herb is also showing one of the hardest things that the scouts have to do is figure out how does a guy's skill and his ability translate to the NBA. And there might be a lot of elements to the NBA as far as the spacing and the way the game is played that have benefited him offensively and or just show, kind of brought out some of the things that he can do well on the offensive end that maybe he couldn't do in Alabama. I know a lot of players talk about that in college, the best, better and best players offensively. There's not a lot of room on the court and other teams will throw two or three guys at them and opponents can't pay for that because you don't have, obviously in college, you don't have as many, the other four guys on the court aren't, you know, elite players the way it is in the NBA where you can't throw that much attention at one player. So um, he's just, he's just showing so much as far as what expectations were from an outside perspective. I can't necessarily say I know exactly what the Pelicans thought as, as far as his potential offensively, but Nationally, I mean, you saw so many things where people said that, you know, he wasn't going to be able to contribute offensively and he just continues to show that that's not the case. Yeah. And, and you mentioned about uh, how many people love Herb Jones among the fan base. I'm telling you right now, there are a lot of upset people out there about Herb Jones jerseys not being available in the team store. I don't know if people in charge of the team store, I'm sure there are huge fans of the pot. Who's not? Uh, I mean, if we're being honest here, everybody <laughs> listens to the Pels pot. Uh, but yeah, please, the, 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 please get some Herb Jones jerseys in the team store so they can stop hit, being my mentions about not having Herb Jones jerseys available. And also, uh, you know, it was a good night for Herb last night because he wasn't stepping on that three-point line, man. He, he had two clean three-point looks, no toe on the line. So that lets you know it was a good night. I, I mean, he's got to learn from Daniel because Daniel's always like five feet behind the three-point line. So, you know, he, he's never has to worry about stepping on the line. So maybe he needs to get it to your Daniel Salas in school. Well, if he wants to air ball, then, yeah, he can go five feet behind the line. <laughs> so he definitely doesn't have to worry about that. Um, but you know what? It was funny you mentioned that because the first three he took, he was actually – so wide open, he had time to look down at his feet and make sure that he was behind the line and still was able to make it. And it was funny because that was the conversation at shoot around this morning about him shooting those long twos and, you know, how much he's been working on it with his footwork. But um, it is crazy. But I, I did see a tweet from Matt Pelican's NBA that said they are working on the Herb Jones jersey situation. So with the high demand, I believe that they are on it. And you should see some Herb Jones jerseys in the Pelicans team store real soon. Um, I know Will Guillory will get one for the back of the wall. Um, maybe on the <laughs> other side of that James Winston jersey. You know, you got to even yeah. it out here, Saints and Pelicans. So um, we'll get her. We'll, we'll get Will Guillory one as well. From one of the youngest players on the team to one of the veteran guys on the team, Garrett Temple, in the last couple of games for the Pelicans. A season high 22 points the other night against Oklahoma City really helped them in the comeback, started in the place of Brandon Ingram in that second half. They have 17 points all in that fourth quarter last night. And look, we already know what he does off the floor as the leader and on the court as well, helping some of the young guys. You've seen him help with, you know, talking to refs and just where they're supposed to be on the court. But the scoring that's come with Garrett Temple the last couple of days, games has really been impactful. 19 and a half points per game in his last two. Well, what have you seen from Garrett Temple knocking down some threes and really providing that veteran leadership 
Um, and that's one of the reasons why he was, he was traded for, uh, for the for Lonzo ball. Yeah. I mean, we were joking last night. I, I think I'm one of the people who are, uh, very fortunate to not have Daniel's job and, and to, to have to speak into a microphone during games, because I know I would have had a lot of mean things to say about Garrett Temple during the course of the season, <laughs> some of the, some of his struggles, but I, I think man, you, Willie Green has said it over and over again. He trusts Garrett Temple. And I think that he, he proved why uh, last night that that trust was worth it because uh, I mean, Temple, uh, regardless of what he's done this season, regard he had a couple plays last night where he kind of bobbled the ball or had a couple mishaps on defense, but that guy is fearless. He's been around this league a long time. He knows what he's capable of on the court. And when he got it going, man, he was just letting them fly and he didn't care. Scored 17 points in the fourth quarter, uh, hit it, what, like five threes in the quarter. I yeah. Think. Five or six. Uh, he, he knows who he is as an NBA player. He doesn't try to step outside of his bounds, but obviously with so many guys out, he, he know he had to raise his level of aggression. And once he got it going, uh, I mean, Jim brought it up earlier, the crowd was just going crazy after every three he hit. And I think that's what really ignited that crowd was Garrett Temple getting hot. And I think he's been a huge piece for this team because they need that veteran leadership. They're playing so many young guys. Uh, and just to have that guy who understands his role, can speak to guys throughout the course of the game, kind of get everybody on the same page. Uh, I think he's been really important. And, you know, I, I think uh, there are times, like I said, where I've been frustrated with some of the stuff he's done, but you can't deny that he's been really important for this team. And I think he's played a big role, especially in the locker room uh, with that group. So, uh, yeah, there's no doubt. I, it was his uh, brightest moment last night. And I think uh, it, it was a big payoff for Willie Green for the trust he's put in him in the entire season. Yeah, it seems like there's been a million conversations over the course of the season about the intangibles that he brings. And like you said, Will, the conversations in the locker room with the players and even on the court, trying to help some of the, of the new guys and the younger guys on the roster. But over the last three games, it's been a lot more tangible stuff from Garrett as far as what he's contributed. He's nine for 18 from three-point range over the last three games. And obviously that coincides with the Pelicans being in a situation where they didn't have Jonas Valanciunas for a couple games. And then last night they didn't have Ingram or Hart. So, I mean, it's been very timely for him to deliver the way he has. One of, one of the things that I, I actually just noticed from looking at the box score last night, he actually played more minutes than anyone on the team. So, I mean, I didn't realize that until I really looked through it, that he played 37 minutes. He actually played 15 more seconds than Herb Jones. So that shows you kind of how much the, coaches are leaning on him and how much they need him to be able to deliver in a spot like that where, I mean, they needed everybody to, to play well to be able to pull out that game. All right, before I let you all go, this has been a great conversation on the Pelicans today as they're coming off a 108 to 104 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're about to ring in the new year, and this is our last podcast as far as us three on it before we ring in 2022. For this team, I'm going to start with Will. I'll give Jim some time to think. How about some New Year's resolutions for this Pelican squad? I know they got off to a rough start. I'll let Will think about it for a second, too, as well. Um, but, of course, they're on the right track right now. They have a really tough stretch to start the new year, January 1 at Milwaukee, then the three-game homestand next week. I mean, the Jazz, the Suns, and the Warriors, top three teams in the Western Conference, come to the Smoothie King Center before heading back out and taking on the Toronto Raptors. Will, give me, give me whether it's a player, whether it's team-wise, uh, what would you say a New Year's resolution would be for this Pelican squad? Yeah, I think first and foremost, you got to start with health. 
Maybe getting some people yeah. off for the injury list. I think that would be a one. big one. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, getting some people out of the training room, you know, onto the court, you know, off of the COVID list. I, I think that would be really huge. Uh, but also, I think, I don't know if this is necessarily a New Year's resolution, but I think just continuing to get production out of those guards, whether it's Devontae Graham, Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I think uh, if those guys are playing well, this team looks like a different, you know, type of group, uh, it would, especially with Brandon Ingram being at a all-star level, Herb Jones doing everything he does, Jonas Valanciunas being fantastic this year. When they get production out of their guards, they're a really good team, and I think that's where it starts, and that's where it has to continue uh, with Devontae, Nikhil, and Josh Hart. What are you, Jim? I think my New Year's resolution was actually kind of two components of what happened last night against Cleveland. Um, the biggest one is the coaches have talked about this, I think, from day one, is that the Pelicans want to be a team that is not comfortable to play against, a team that you have to come into the game knowing that you're going to be in for a a battle and a fight and somebody that I don't think that was necessarily the case early in the season when they weren't playing defense at a decent level and they were kind of towards the bottom and defensive rankings. Um, and the second part is just to be a lot better in the Smoothie King center and home games and make it a lot tougher for um, other teams to come in and get a victory. I thought last night we saw that obviously with they're down 23 and they still were able to come back and win and the crowd got into the game. Um, Pelicans are seven and nine at home on the season, which is obviously not great. You want to be over 500. Now they've been a lot better over the last few weeks at home and on the road, but they still have, they still played three more road games than home games. So obviously um, that's going to tip the other way. And they, for them to be able to stay in the play in tournament race and hopefully move up a couple spots, they're only two games out right now behind 10th place, San Antonio, I think they're going to have to pick up a, a bunch of home wins. So that would be my biggest New Year's resolution is to make the Smoothie King Center a place that visiting teams don't want to play against and to just be a lot more consistent in winning at home. I'm going to piggyback off the consistency and use that for the bench. And I know some of that has to do with the guards, as you mentioned, Will, Thomas Sadoransky. You don't have Kyra for the rest of the year. Nikhil off the bench. Trey, who's kind of been on and off as far as his three-point shooting. Um, Jackson Hayes has got a little bit of run, but Billy's been pretty consistent being that first center off the bench. So I think if you can get these contributions from the bench consistently, I think you've had some really good nights from them and you've had some pretty tough nights from them. If you can get some consistent play and not have to rely so much on the starters playing heavy minutes, I think that could really help, as Jim mentioned, Pelicans get back into the, the playing race or even stay in there. So I think that would be the New Year's resolution for me is, is maybe that bench production. And I enjoyed the Jared Harper minutes last night, too. I thought he played pretty well. You know, small guy, the G League Birmingham star came in and gave him some really solid minutes last night. I think Ricky Rubio did not enjoy the Jared Harper experience because Harper was up in his grill for that entire. I think Harper played eight, nine minutes and finished with seven points. And as soon as he got in there, he was really into Rubio. And you can tell Rubio was getting visibly frustrated with Harper. So you're right. I really enjoyed the Jared Harper experience as well. He was putting up 21 points per game with the squadron and you know with with the hardship exceptions and the two-way players it's nice to see Harper get an opportunity and play some minutes and really help too it wasn't just him playing mop-up duty he, he came in there at a, a crucial time where the Pelicans were trying to get back in the ball game and gave them some solid minutes so absolutely I think the bench is certainly going to be important for the Pelicans in 2022 but guys I really appreciate the time it's been fun five and one the last six games hopefully they can continue and uh, we'll keep up the great work covering the team for the athletic and Jim, as always appreciate your time with the podcast and you can read all of Jim's work 
on pelicans.com. Happy New Year, and I'll see my pullover pal. Well, I'll see you in the Smoothie Kings. I'll see you at practice maybe tomorrow too as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys, and Happy New Year to y'all also. All right, so we'll have another podcast on New Year's Eve on Friday before the Pelicans hit the road for their one-game road trip to Milwaukee. Pelicans have a rare three days off in between games and will take on the Bucks at 5.30 at 5 surf form. It'll be a little different roster for the Bucks as they will have their full complement of guys. I'm like, no time in the Smoothie King scenario a couple weeks ago where the Pelicans did get the win in overtime, but should be a fun one in Milwaukee. And we hope to talk to you down the line on our podcast. For Jim and Will, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Wednesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by CP. Mm-hmm.